Welcome to Great Minds. And our guest today is the soon to be retired executive chairman of Interpublic, uh, known and beloved around the world as IPG. He has become a dear friend of ours over the years, and I'm grateful and humble, Michael, that you're doing one of your last conversations before you retire with us here in Great Minds. So welcome to Michael Roth. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. So, Michael, we've uh, seen you all over the world, and since you uh, joined IPG, it's about 20 years uh, ago. And the word that always comes to mind when thinking or talking about you is leadership. And to me, it's the commodity that is in shortest supply, not only in our industry, but overall. And I think the world is paying a heavy price for uh, in many crucial areas an absence of real charismatic leadership. I know you grew up in Brooklyn uh, in uh, two great neighborhoods uh, in Flatbush <laughs> and Sheepshead Bay, still salt of the earth. Yep. As a kid, where did those where did those leadership? I think there's something special about people from Brooklyn, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'd love to talk about sort of where the earliest seeds of Michael Roth as a leader were planted. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, look, I agree with you about Brooklyn. I, and, and I, I was when I was raising my kids, I always say, you know, maybe this was before Brooklyn really took off as being a, a chic place to, to live. I used to tell them we ought, to, we ought to move to Brooklyn for a while just so you can experience what I experienced uh, in growing up. And, and, and that is a, uh, an environment of, uh, frankly, inclusivity <laughs> and, and, and uh, dealing with all different types of people on an everyday basis and, and being friends and, and uh, a community. And I think I think it basically came from that. You know, in those days, I lived in an apartment building, and and uh, I would leave in the morning. You know, if I wasn't in school, and uh, I'd come back later in the you know in the day. My parents trusted me and my friends, and we just went out and explored. And 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 you know, it was it was getting a sense of the community and a culture of. Uh, uh, inclusivity that that really started, uh, you know, what 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 I was to be as as I went into business. Fantastic. And early on, you joined. Uh, I guess the it was the big. What was it? The big six. Now it down. What are we down to now? Two or three? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, big eight. I think it was. But big uh, eight. Eight. Yeah, yeah. Was that Cooper's Library? Yeah. At the time, it was called Library and Ross Brothers in Montgomery. And I went to law school, you know, I graduated uh, uh, from City College Baruch and, and as an accounting major, business major. And, and uh, you know, rather than go into uh, accounting at that time, I went into law school because I felt that, uh, you know, law school was a great background. And uh, while I was in law school, I worked part-time at uh, Library and Ross Brothers in Montgomery in, in Boston. And, and uh, Ultimately, um, I, I, I went to work with them and I uh, went on for my master's of law and taxation at NYU. And I came down to New York and uh, eventually became a, a partner uh, uh, in the firm as a tax partner. At the age of 30. That's a that's a pretty. Yeah. Fact. Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> it was kind of interesting. I, I uh, you know, they asked me during the interview, you know, you're 30 years old. Well, you know, what are you going to do for your rest of your career? And and. Uh, yeah, you know, I said, I don't know, <laughs> you know, I said, um, you know, I'm going to keep my head down and do what I enjoy and, and hopefully do it well. And, uh, 
you know, I, I, after the interview, I went to one of my mentors at the firm and said, I, I don't think I passed the interview. I, and they said, you know, he said, why? I said, because I didn't say I want to be a partner in the firm for the rest of my life. I just said, you know, <laughs> he says, no, not to worry about that. So, uh, yeah, I was very fortunate to, to be a partner there. And I thought it was a, a tremendous experience. And obviously, uh, there, my whole notion of how you deal with clients and, and corporate environment uh, developed. And uh, Michael, think about just, you know, that, those early days and the way we worked then and the way we work now. Um, it's almost as if we're on two different planets in terms of the most basic ways that we communicate with each other. I mean, you try to talk to a younger person today about even things like a fax machine, you know, the way we used to make phone calls and you were, you know, when you were talking about your youth in Brooklyn, I remember I grew up in Queens. My family originally was from Brooklyn, my father from Williamsburg and my mother was from Ocean Parkway. And we all communicated and people used to meet up and gather and none of us had phones, right? Somehow we all found each other. We all found our way home. Do you remember those early days? Uh, you're, you know, you're starting as a, a young kid at, uh, at the library shop how you used to work. Did, did you have a rotary phone? Did you have a typewriter? Did you even have a computer then? Yeah, yeah no, we, we, no, not really. Uh, it was all meetings and personal relationships. And, uh, and frankly, I, I, as a tax partner, uh, I was never really initially brought in, you know, with a, other than a specialist, you know, I would come in as uh, this tax expert. And I said, that was kind of silly to, to, to put me in, in one category. So I, I developed relationships with some major companies and they became my clients. And, you know, frankly, the audit partners who used to be the ones who had the relationships and they were their clients, you know, kind of resented it a little bit. But uh, as I went on in my career, frankly, that's what, what helped a lot. And that as I developed relationships with the clients and they kind of viewed me uh, as as being the point person with the firm, and and uh, it was all you know one on one meetings and and adding value and and I it's actually kind of funny because when I left the firm, I actually went with a client. I remember that they they assigned me to this particular client, American Can Company, which frankly had a whole change in management, and and they were concerned of losing the client. And I remember the the, uh, the the head of the firm said to me, get close to this client because, you know, it was a big client, American Can Company, you know, it was a Dow Jones 30 company. And I said, OK, you know, that's what I do. I, you know, and, and so as I, I, I work with the client, it, eventually and it was kind of funny when when the, the CEO of the company, we were in a meeting and we were talking about something and and he said, you know, when should we tell our auditors this, you know, in terms of what we were working on? And everybody in the room started to laugh. And, and he said, what are you guys laughing about? And they said, well, Michael's a partner in our auditors firm. He said, you don't work here? He, he did, honestly, this is the CEO of the company. He thought I would work for the company. And, and, rather than, and, and he says, well, we're going to do something about that. And, and, uh, you know, the next thing I know is they made me an offer that I couldn't refuse. And I joined them uh, in, in a role that, frankly, you know, no other Fortune 30 company, you know, Dow Jones 30 company would offer me uh, based on I was a tax lawyer. Um, and that's how I got into the corporate world. 
Amazing. But you can really see where that leadership narrative starts to build between what you were talking about growing up in Brooklyn um, and then embracing the importance of building relationships at a very young age when not everybody sees that. And I think that's been a hallmark of your success at IPG. Uh, I think very finally, I, I don't know if you saw there was a post a couple of weeks ago that Nick Law and Bob Greenberg were out taking a walk somewhere. <laughs> and I always uh, uh, marveled at how brilliantly you, your leadership enabled Bob and RGA to go yeah. through what were really the, the glory days of the early days of digital. And, and I think their success is incredible, but I thought a lot of their success was you and how you managed that relationship with Bob, who was way ahead of his time. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's been a hallmark of your tenure at IPG is that attention and focus and, and delivering on the humanity of relationships. That's unique to you, Michael. Well, I, well, I thank you for saying that. I, I don't know whether it's unique to me, but it certainly is, is, is how I viewed and, and how my whole career was in that I always surround myself with people that are smarter than me. And, 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 and the goal there is to, to just, you know, work together. And, you know, Bob was a great example. You know, I wasn't from this industry and, and, you know, I was on the board of directors of IPG when they asked me to come in and uh, take over uh, and, and, and become the, the chairman and then the CEO of the company. And I didn't know much about the advertising business other than I was on the board. And I remember the first time I met Bob Greenberg, you know, I, I didn't know what to make of this. You know, I said, this is a unique individual. Obviously, you know, he's got a he's got an Emmy. He's got an Oscar. He's got all sorts of awards. And he's uh, he dresses with a black beret every day you know, in black. And 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 so we developed a great relationship. And 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 it's all a question of, of, of confidence and, and believing in, in your people and, and making sure they have resources that are necessary to succeed. In fact, I got a great note from Bob uh, just recently, you know, talking about the good old days and, and, and how we, uh, you know, uh, work together and within IPG to, to, to make RGA successful. And that's true with, with all the CEOs of all the business units. And, you know, this whole notion of, of working together on a collaborative uh, basis is critical to a service business. And it, it, it you know, along the way, I, I you know became the CEO of a, an insurance company, and and you know when when American Can was sold to Sandy Weil and, and and Jamie Dimon, that was the first time I retired, and and they asked me uh, you know I'm, I'm, I was retired at a pretty young age, and <clears throat> they called me up and a buddy who was on the board of uh, American Can Company said I'd like to meet somebody uh, who was brought into Mutual of New York you know an old line insurance company. And I and he and I want him to meet you because he he was put in there to Jim Farley um, to 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 find a leadership team for Mutual of New York. I said, "What? I don't know anything about insurance. I don't know anything about a mutual company. You know, what would I do there?" And and the, this particular uh, you know director said, "You'd be you, and and you know you'll this company has has issues, and I you know I think you two would hit it off." And I remember uh, the interview. He he. He put me in, in, in the room with the current CEO and, and the CEO looked at me and started asking me questions. He says, what do you know about insurance companies? I said, nothing. He says, what do you know about mutual companies? I said, nothing. 
And, and uh, he says, so why are you here? I said, well, because Jim Farley, who was the, <laughs> the chairman, asked me to meet with you. Frankly, I, I'm not sure why I'm with him meeting with you. And I walked out, I said to, to Jim, I said, you know, that didn't go well. And he says, it doesn't matter, he won't be there. And, and uh, you know, that's how I got recruited into Mutual of New York. So it was, uh, again, I knew nothing about the business in the industry, but they needed someone who can, you know, clean up the company from a business perspective. And this particular individual, this was an insurance company that had uh, agents, you know, they sell insurance. This CEO never, never, he used to fly into meetings and fly out, he'd give a speech and leave. He had a private elevator. He didn't want to meet with people. It was insane. And so I said, this is going to be easy. <laughs> and, and, and so it was just working with people and, and giving them a, and accountability. That's the other part of it. Uh, my whole, you, know, you ask anyone at IPG, my main mantra is, you know, I'll give you uh, all the resources you need, but I'm going to hold you accountable for it if, if it doesn't work. And, and, uh, you know, and you work together. And, and uh, so that's what I've been doing in my career. And when you joined IPG, similarly, as you said uh, moments ago, initially as a board member, and then when you were asked to move into a different role, they were also having some trouble. Yeah, big time. Yeah, they had they had uh, control issues. It, it wasn't it wasn't malfeasance. It was control. And and. Again, they're great. They were great advertising people, you know, the John Dooners of the world, and you know these are legends in the business, and David Bell. But but they they weren't great at running businesses. So you know, I I, I met with all of them, and they said, look, I'm not here. Don't look at me for creative capabilities. But you know, this company's made a lot of mistakes in terms of what they were, where they were heading, and what they were doing. And my my role is is to um, basically help you be successful. Uh, but in a in a business way that makes sense for the shareholders. And in a relatively short period of time, you break down old silos, you get the company all sort of rowing in one boat in the same direction at the same time. You are able to bring in a lot of new people and really change the culture. Um, that happened relatively quickly. Again, sounds like that early training around the importance of relationships and sort of gravitating naturally to leadership, that sort of turbocharged, it would seem, a lot of that early shift and change and evolution of the culture at IPG. Yeah, I mean, first we had, a, you know, fixing, I remember the first week I had the job, I had to fly to Europe to meet with the CEO of some of our big companies because our competitors were saying we were going out of business. You know, it sounded very similar to what I was experiencing at the insurance company. And, and I said, look, Trust me, you know, we'll fix the accounting stuff and the control stuff, but we'll continue to invest in our people and what we do. And, and, and uh, so I basically you know, said to the team, I said, here's the way we're gonna do this. And I did this at the insurance company. In the insurance company, Mutual of New York, we had agents who would only sell Mutual of New York products. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. If the best product is not a Mutual of New York product, we either should get one or, or, or do it ourselves. But from a client perspective, you have to look at what's best for them, not what's best for you when you sell them insurance. So we call that open architecture. And, and, and so all of a sudden, uh, we, we turbocharged Mutual of New York because our agents were empowered to do what's right for the client as opposed to just what's right for their commissions. And, and uh, the success of that was just incredible. You know, we ultimately fixed 
Mutual of New York and we went public and you know, we ultimately sold it to AXA. But uh, at, at, at IPG, we had a bunch of silos. All they did was worry about their own business. You know, McCann, FCB, these are wonderful agencies. But as far as the clients were concerned, clients viewed them all as competing with each other instead of working together. So that's how we developed the open architecture uh, way of doing business for advertising industry. And, and what a concept, you know, we were doing what's right for the client, not the individual P&Ls of our agencies. And, and we've embraced it at IPG. And frankly, that was one of the main reasons that the company, you know, it's a great case study of, of a company that was in, uh, in, frankly, some financial difficulty because of the controls. And for the last X amount of years, we've been leading the whole industry in terms of growth and margin. So without telling any tales out of school, even all these years later, was there something that you discovered kind of early on that we said that was like a particular mess that you had to deal with or where you were surprised by something? And it could be something positive or something uh, less positive. Well, there were two, there were two, you know, aha moments for me in the industry. I remember the first thing I did was meet with a lot of our competitors. You know, I was told to learn something about the business. So I met with Shelley Lazarus, I met with John Redden, you know, just to understand the business. But my aha moments were twofold. One is you, you, you can't work in your own island and that was the silos. And it was pretty clear like RGA, I used to stand there and say, think of putting RGA and McCann together on a pitch working with, 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 with solving the client's problems. I mean, you, you'll never lose a pitch at the time. You know, I would say, look, it, it just makes sense. So that whole notion was an aha moment for everyone. They, they didn't believe that it, we can do it. So what I did was I brought all the CEOs together and said, uh, if you don't do it, I'll get someone who can do it because this isn't the way the future of this business is going to be. And frankly, the other aha moment was everybody in the room was a white male. <laughs> and, and I remember sitting there saying, you know, something's wrong here. You know, our client, the, the marketplace is not a bunch of white males. So how can we be responsive to a marketplace if we don't have people who, who, who are representative of the marketplace in terms of women, people of color? You know, the entire diversity of our industry was pathetic. Uh, so I, I'd say those are the two aha moments. One is the si doing away with silos in terms of dealing with clients, getting the right people, obviously, who believed in that. I'll never forget, um, I was in Europe and someone raised their hands. And this also had to do with transparency. That was the third aha moment, I guess. And that is on the media side, you know, in terms of uh, transparency with clients. And, you know, that, and, and we were the first company, frankly, we set up a reserve to give money back. I mean, the first thing I did on the media side was I gave a bunch of money back to our clients because of lack of transparency. And some of the clients looked at me and said, are you kidding? And I said, no, uh, not that we did anything wrong and you knew about it, but our contracts didn't have the transparency. And I remember one of our competitors called me up and said, you're ruining our business, our industry. I said, why? Because I'm being transparent with our clients. And, and, and I remember in, in the UK, uh, one of our people stood up and said, if I do this, I'll never make any money. And I said, well, that's an interesting question, comment. I said, so if you, if, you, if, you, if you tell your clients what you're doing from a transparency point of view, you're afraid they'll find out and fire you. I said, he said, yeah. I said, great. Well, you're no longer with us either. 
<laughs> you know, and and so the transparency on the media side was the other one. And uh, and look, you know, those you want to have a, a client who trusts you. And and uh, I think uh, if nothing else, if you look at those three items, uh, um, open architecture, diversity, and transparency. That's what, and, and you know, we wanted clients to work with us because they wanted to work with us and they trust us. And people wanted to work for IPG because we did what's with the transparency work with all of our people, not just clients. And so you want to be a company that people want to work for and do business with. And that was the, 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 the way we approached the culture at IPG, which is what's alive and well right now. Yeah, we started around the same time. We started working on Advertising Week in 2002, and the first one was 2004. And, and I, I would say without equivocation, you have uh, walked the walk on those three areas better than anybody else in the business. And uh, that's just a point of fact. That's not uh, uh, fawning or uh, you know, uh, lobbying or, or anything along those lines. It's just an observational fact. And Michael, I'd love to talk about one area that you mentioned briefly, but that's your early embrace of the importance of leadership with women in particular. And IPP yeah. was way ahead of the curve in advancing the cause of women, not only in entry and mid-level roles, but in senior roles. Where did that come from? Because you really broke new ground there um, at that time. Well, I, it's kind of interesting. I've, I've had people try to analyze me and tell me where it came from. I remember in, in Cannes where we started the women's breakfast and everything. I remember I remember uh, Arianna Huffington saying, um, um, you know, she was talking to me about how I got to embrace women in the business. And, and, and she started talking about... Um, the fact that, you know, my mother worked and my mother put me through law school, actually, and my wife. And, and so I was brought up with a working mother. And so women in the workforce was part of my life, you know, so it wasn't foreign to me. And 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 uh, so I, I just it was clear to me that there were resources out there that we went this industry just wasn't giving proper attention to. So that's when we started the Women's Breakfast in Cannes, which originally maybe we had 30 to 50 people in it. Um, and we ultimately ended up having hundreds and, and overspill rooms because we really focused on the need to have women in, 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 in uh, very important roles. Uh, we started with the creative side of the business uh, and, and, and uh, then worked our way through and ultimately led to diversity in general, not just women. So our industry was so backward compared to what's going on and and so it 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 it, it was you know and I, I i really i used to interview some of these very bright powerful women who who would tell me that they they reached a ceiling in in one of our competitors because it was clear to them that they would never be put in charge of an agency or, or you know or ultimately the holding company maybe uh, and that's why they wanted to work with us. So it, not only was it good business, our clients embraced it, obviously, because they had embraced it well before us. And the talent pool that opened up for us was just tremendous. So if you look at, you know, the individuals, the females in our business who run agencies and within IPG and, you know, our top creative people, it just it's it, it, it's part of the DNA of our company and our board of directors. So it it it, it really makes uh, IPG different 
uh, in a, you know, from the other companies in, in, in the industry. And we, we were able to be successful uh, at it. And, and your, uh, you know, we're so early to the game there. Uh, one of my earliest memories of you, Michael, you may remember this. We did something at the Apollo Theater in 2005. And you uh, came uptown. And it was called, I thought it was a good idea and it did not work. It was, we took the amateur night at the Apollo format and it was Madison Avenue goes uptown. And um, I was heartbroken because so many people didn't come. You know, we had rows and rows of empty seats at the Apollo and you did come. And you were the only holding company chief uh, who came uptown with us. And secretly it always really bothered me so much and I wanted to have a success at the Apollo. And this past advertising week in October, we did. We went back to the Apollo. We had Mary J. Blige headlining. It was right. a benefit and a partnership with the Nelson Mandela Foundation. We sold it out and we dragged Madison Avenue. In this case, I would say willingly up to Harlem. And it was much as anything to have a success up there to make a statement about right. the importance of diversity in our industry. As you reflect more broadly, how do you think the industry is doing overall? Um, I, I, I'll reserve my opinion till after we hear yours to not uh, uh, prejudice or tip, uh, though you, you, your opinion will be what it is without any influence from me, I'm sure. Uh, but what's your take? How have we done? Uh, I, I think we're still got a long way to go. And, and, and uh, we, we, we track this very carefully. You know, like we were the first company to to release the EOC, you know, information. You know, what a concept, you know, <laughs> again, going to the transparency. And I, I remember, it, you know, a lot of this happens in Cannes because there's a platform, you know, out there and, and everyone's together. And I, re I remember going to... Uh, 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 one of these uh, sessions, you know, and, and, you know, I was the only white guy there and, 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 you know, everyone came up to me and, 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 you know, and, and, and it was, it, it was just so obvious to me that our, 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 we were not doing a good job. So we, we, we put in at IPG accountability. I talked about accountability before all of our CEOs are accountable for diversity uh, goals. And that's not quotas, it's a business objective. And, and we were the first, probably probably still are the only uh, company in, the, in our industry that does that. And, and uh, I'll never forget sitting at the table in Cannes with uh, my competitors and the CEO of one of our major clients. And, and he, uh, he obviously embraced it as well. Um, and and uh, I remember some of our competitors saying, yeah, we don't put in quotas. And I just sat there, I said, this isn't a quota. This is a business objective. And, and he just ripped them apart. <laughs> and he said, yeah, obviously, that's why I have them doing our work, you know. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was uh, you know, not that that's why I did it, but it's confirmation of the fact that our clients uh, and, and the marketplace demand it. And, and we have a long way to go from our industry. And we've made a lot of strides in it, but there's still a long way to go. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And I think the consciousness and the conversations we're having in this country now, uh, I, I hope is that it will turbocharge, you know, more change. Sure. Um, and well within our lifetimes, our America is going to be more than 50% non-white. And why wouldn't you want to talk to all of your customers? Well, plus the other, I had a hard, I had a, one of my worst conversations with a client, a difficult one, I won't call worse, but it was difficult 
was when some of our people it was it did some work that was just so offensive. And and they, you know, they did it because it was creative and they wanted to win an award. And 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 but it was so offensive uh, and that the client, when it got out there, the client called me up, spoke to me for like 45 minutes, ripped me apart. And I just at the end of it, I just said, you know what, you're absolutely right. I have no idea how this happened. And you know, needless to say, I'll get to the bottom of it. If you want me to address your board of directors in terms of what actions we're taking to do this and everything. Fast forward about five years after that conversation, uh, I, I, I hadn't met that individual. I was at a business roundtable meeting in Washington, and I went over to him. I said, hi, I'm you know, Michael Roth. <laughs> and he says, oh, my God. He says, you know, I never talked to anyone the way I talked to you on that phone call, but I was so irate. I said, you were right. You were absolutely right. I mean, and so if you don't have people of, of color or diverse individuals how can you understand whether whatever work we're doing resonates or is offensive to a particular group of people, you know, because you got a bunch of white men doing something that really, you know, they have no idea what the cultural impact of what they're doing. So uh, it, it was it was a, 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 a real wake up call uh, to me in terms of confirmation that what we were doing uh, on diversity made a lot of sense. And, and not only is it the right thing to do, it's, it's, you know, everybody pays lip service to it, but from a business perspective, it's the best thing to do. And one of the hallmarks, I think, when you look across, you know, the, the, the great family of shops under your umbrella, you guys not only make sure that you're listening to culture, but a lot of the work, RGA and McCann and FCB and so many of the other IPG family of companies, you guys are also creating culture. How much of that, Michael, uh, do you pay attention to the, the shifts in creative, making sure that you know, your folks are staying ahead of the game? And again, not only listening and being mindful of culture, but also at the same time on the plus side, you know, look at that great RGA work with Nike. I always you know, remember that so fondly creating culture that's got to make you feel really proud yeah and and look at you know it, it goes to the notion that we empower our people to do what's right and and we'll never uh, penalize anyone for doing that and I, I remember one of our uh, situations where one of our clients were really offensive uh, to our people and and it, frankly it was a racist uh, comment and, and uh, you know they were being treated poorly and and the CEO came came to us and said I can't have my people work with this client anymore I want to resign the client and 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 they and you know, so we looked into it and and uh, and they were right <laughs> so I and, and no one would work on that account I said yeah I think we should resign the account and and so it's empowering our people to do the right thing and standing behind them when they do it. So it, it gives them a lot of latitude to be creative and, and make a difference, which is what I love about this industry. I mean, the power of our ability to communicate and message is, is, is you know, look at the RJ, love has no labels. Remember that? I mean, come on, I mean, right? And, and, and you know, I'm so proud of that people within our company felt comfortable being able to do that kind of stuff. And, 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 and that's what it's all about. So that's why we get the best talent. That's why we get people who can 
create and, and really resonate in the marketplace because they're comfortable uh, doing things that are that maybe aren't within the norm of our business. And in an age where loyalty is often fleeting and where relationships uh, are increasingly commoditized uh, and not valued, you've done the opposite and your companies have done the opposite. You have created, maintained and grown long-term relationships. You think about the partnerships with great brands like Verizon and MasterCard and so many others, that stuff doesn't happen by accident in my view. Yeah, it's, 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 again, it's, it's, it's empowering our get, first of all, you have to have the right people. And I'm, I'm, I, like I said, surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and better than you, especially and know what you don't know. And, and, and uh, by, by giving our people that kind of uh, latitude uh, the, and the clients know that and, and, and uh, the clients want to make sure that, that they're being heard and that we're being responsive. And, and, and that's why people want to work at IPG because of that. And that's why clients want to do business. It's the same thing. It's not just diversity. It goes to a whole bunch of issues in terms, what does your company stand for? What is the IPG brand? And, and as the CEO, and now with Philippe uh, as the CEO, you know, he's, he has the same values uh, as, as I do in the board of directors. So I know this will continue. Um, is, is do the right thing and, 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 and talk about it. You know, it, 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 you know, the question of whether a CEO should be out there making comments about things. I mean, uh, I, I think shame on a CEO doesn't take a position that's inconsistent with your culture. And, you know, with us, it started early on. I mean, Charlottesville, you, you name it, you know, we took a position on these things. And, and uh, I, you know, I, I tell this story only because I was in Cannes and, and uh, I remember the NRA was looking for a, a, an advertising agency. And, and uh, one of the Wall Street Journal reporters, you know who she is, you know, uh, asked me whether uh, we would, uh, we would uh, pitch it. And I said, absolutely not. So the next thing I know, she puts out uh, IPG refuses to participate in the NRA pitch. And, and, and then they came out and said, we never asked them. And, and I said, yeah, I was, this was if they were to ask, I said, we wouldn't do it. The second that article was printed, the CEO, of one of our major companies, sent me a note and said, and with a copy of that article and said, that's why I do business with you. And, and, and so, you know, you, you got to take positions and you have to believe in it. And, and the, the notes that I get from around the world uh, uh, of, of how proud they are to be with a company that has values. It's a great, great story. So one of the topics, let's stay here for a moment that I've heard you speak on our stage many times and you've been so gracious with us, literally flying to London for a few hours to be with yeah. us. I think I'm going to miss that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were, it was always amazing. And Nancy would tell me every year, all right, he's going to come and we're going to make it work. And he's landing at this time. And, you know, he's leaving at that time. And you know, it was incredible. And, and, and we're so grateful to you uh, for doing that year after year. And if I were you, I wouldn't miss it either, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things that you talked about consistently um, on our stages is what you were just talking about, that sort of responsibility and the opportunity that our industry has to help make the world a little bit better, whatever it, that might mean. It might 
be related to mental health and wellness. It might be related to diversity. It might be related to encouraging businesses to hire people with disabilities or uh, certainly the sustainability arena um, is also an area that you've played very heavily. Yes. Is that, Michael, one of the things that you're most proud of is what you've created at IPG, a whole company of leaders that care not only about the bottom line where you've performed extraordinarily well, but also about what's above that bottom line. And that's what we do as people to try to help other people. Well, look, I, like I said before, and I tell this to any individual, young people who look to me for advice. If you're not with a company that stands for the same values that you have, go find a company that does. The, 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 the worst thing you can do is be in a company that doesn't have values that are consistent with what you want. And, and so, I, you know, the good thing about IPG is we're like-minded. In other words, all the people, and, and, and we're fortunate or, because, you know, it's intentional, obviously, but uh, everyone embraces, you know, doing the right thing, whether it be for, for the, the company, whether it be for our employees, whether it be for our clients, whether it be for the world. Uh, you know, we're all, we all can make a difference. And given the, where we stand in the, uh, in, in the universe, we have the ability to impact change. And, and I think we have a responsibility to do that. And, and, and that's why I encourage, uh, and I know Philippe does the same, and that is we encourage our people to, to go out there and, and make a difference and, and support this. So ESG, diversity, uh, you know, uh, you know, climate change, you name it, you know, we have positions on it and we're committed to it. And, and from a business point of view, People come to our company because of that. And there's no question about it. I, I used to get letters from, you know, from a lot of our people from all over the world. That's what I loved about IPG. You know, it, 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 it's, it's all over the world. And, and the notes I've received uh, uh, upon my retirement is just, just amazing. People, I, frankly, I don't even know, uh, sending me notes and how, how, and it wasn't so much about our financial performance. It was about our culture and, and, and people saying to me that, you know, I knew that as a company, when something came up, we would do the right thing. And, and I mean, how, what better legacy can you have than that? And, and, and by the way, we were also the best performing company in the business. I mean, I, that helps, but it's by the way, it, it, it one follows the other. <laughs> and that is you get the best people and you get the best performance. And the reason you get the best people is because you have a culture that is, that is embracing uh, everyone. Yeah, and just observationally, I think you and the other guy that I always think of very fondly and favorably of is Paul Pullman. And yeah, I think well. you, the two of <laughs> you really together have shown that purpose and profit are not at odds. Yeah, and, and you know, needless to say, well, a couple of the CEOs I referenced before was Paul <laughs> and Alan now who runs, who runs uh, uh, Unilever, you know, whether it be the unstereotype work that we do together and so on. Uh, you know, it takes CEOs and CEOs, you know, looking each other in the eye and go, you know, let's go lockstep on this one and make it happen. Fantastic. And you've also been very generous with your time supporting a lot of cultural institutions, health-related institutions, Lincoln Center, uh, New York Presbyterian. Uh, are some of those things, I, I would guess that that's really enriched your life in lots of ways. And some of that you'll probably still do, I would think. 
I, I, I hope so. And, and uh, yes, I mean, again, you know, this <laughs> life is about a whole bunch of things. It's not just business. And, and, and uh, if you're fortunate enough, like I am to be able to, to share and, and, and give back and, and participate and add value, that's what you should do. And it's very rewarding. And, and uh, yeah, I hope to continue that. Uh, I'm not good. I'm not good enough golfer to, uh, to do this full time. So uh, I got to find other things to do. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> nor I, nor I, I agree. Now, is there any uh, possibility that I remember a very good meal at a uh, Michael Roth I believe it was owned steak restaurant many years ago. Is there any, is that memory correct? And is there any chance of a comeback in the restaurant world? <laughs> Probably not. It was my son. It was a jazz restaurant um, steakhouse on the Upper West Side. He's now in the uh, nut, actually think about this. He's in the nut free ice cream business. And, and uh, he's the only, only ice cream it's called, I'll put a plug, it's called Alamote. Um, it's the only ice cream that's actually nut free. And, and so he's building that business and, and I'm pretty excited about it uh, because A, there are kids and people who have nut allergies haven't had ice cream ever. So actually people travel to his place <laughs> to have ice cream for the first time, you know? And, and uh, it's now, you know, it's, it's all over the United States. So it's, it, it's pretty exciting. So it's not a steakhouse, but, uh, it, 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 it's, it's something that I find very rewarding. That is exciting. But I must have been Nancy who took me there. But I remember having a very yeah, good probably. meal. That was a long time ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So just to wrap, Michael, is there anything in particular when you lay awake at night or you and your, you know, your bride are, are chatting and reflecting on your tenure? Is there anything that comes to mind that you remember particularly fondly with something that you'll miss? And is there something on the flip side because uh, you're still a young man, what you're most looking forward to going forward, mm. that you'll have a little bit of extra time day to day. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I still don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up. I know that sounds like a stupid thing, but uh, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I look, I think at IPG, it was, it was, it, it was time. And, you know, we had a great team coming up behind me and Philippe and the rest of them. It was their, it's their, their time to, uh, to shine, which is great. Um, I, I, I couldn't, I, you know, I've had different careers. I mean, we talked about it. I've, I've been with an accounting firm. I've been with an insurance company. I've been with a conglomerate. I've been with uh, an advertising company and, and it's been, I've been very fortunate and, 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 you know, it, it was very challenging and, and rewarding. I still think I can add value to something. I don't know what, what it is. Um, and, uh, if, it, if the situation presents itself, I'll participate. And, and my, I actually, my experience at IPG is so far has, has been the most rewarding. I, I think the people in this business, the creative and the, the talent in this business is just amazing. And the ability to have a global footprint and be heard, uh, is, is, is just incredible. And, uh, I, I, I really, I hate to say this, but uh, of the industries that I've been in, <laughs> I know people look at me crazy when I said this. I think this industry is amazing. And, and I'm particularly proud of, uh, of IPG and what we're able to accomplish, not just from a financial point of view, uh, just from a, a presence in, in a business and in a worldwide footprint. Well, listen, all, all kudos and credit to you. I, I love that you're going out on top sort of like Rocky Marciano, I think, in many ways, <laughs> Und retiring undefeated. And uh, the legacy that you leave is, is incredible. And, you know, what I get asked all the time, and like you, I did not come from the advertising industry. 
Um, but I get asked all the time opinions. One of the common questions that you get uh, is uh, about the future of the big agencies and the big holding companies. And without hesitation, Michael, my first and really consistent only answer is, well, uh, that fallacy that, that, that you can't be big and global and have a great business. Look at IPG. Look at McCann, yeah. the team you've put in there with Harris and now with Bill and Chris McDonald and Suzanne and, you know, that whole team. You know, Nancy, who's been with you forever on the comm side, Jeremy Miller over there, who I think so highly of and is really the, the best at what he does, you know, amongst his peers. But your ability to attract, retain, grow, nurture talent uh, and run a good business from the head and the heart, you've shown that you can be big, global, and have a good business. And that's, you know, that's a great legacy from a business standpoint. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I really got a kick out of some of the comments that uh, my competitors uh, quote, were quoted in some of the articles, you know, um, and, and uh, they sent uh, to, a, to, a, to an individual, I got some really positive notes and I used to compete with them, you know, head to head and they still, uh, you know, you know, this is, life is too short and, and uh, it's been very rewarding and uh, we'll see what happens down the road, but I'm particularly proud of IPG and our people uh, and frankly, uh, parts of our industry. I wouldn't say all of it because it's not true all around, but uh, the opportunity is there for the, if, if they get on board. Okay. But I think it's a great opportunity. Well, thank you so much for doing this. An absolute joy, Michael.